0: If you have your Bibles, turn to Daniel chapter 6. We're in this series uh, called Prayer, Discovering Power for Life and Power for Our Church. Uh, And so uh, while you're turning to Daniel chapter 6 or going there on your digital device, just remind you uh, about our scripture memory. We as a church are memorizing one scripture a week. And uh, uh, this week is Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. Can I talk to you a little bit About Scripture memory, and and I don't want you to get confused. See, the goal of Scripture memory is not remembering every jot and tittle of the words. Don't memorize Scripture the way I do. See, the goal for me many times, and this is the way it's always been for me, it's my personality, is my goal is to say, check the box, I did it, and I did it perfectly, right? And so uh, when it comes to memorizing Scripture, that's the way I have been. Um, and what happens when, you, when, when your goal is just to memorize the words, what happens is you miss often the real goal of Scripture memory. The real goal of Scripture memory is to have an encounter with the living God that stays with you uh, no matter where you are. Uh, the, the, the very uh, power in memorizing Scripture is receiving God's message to us through His Word and carrying it with us. And so when it comes to memorizing Scripture, don't memorize words and miss the message. If you've got to pick one or the other, pick the message before you pick the words, right? D- take the message with you. So uh, first week we memorized John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, right? And so the goal of that passage is to cling to the promise of God's great love that has provided rescue for sinners like you and me. That God in his intent, the intent of his heart is not to condemn but to rescue, to save. And that's why Jesus came. And then the next week we memorize Psalm 16 verse 11. Now listen to the promise. Don't just try to get hold of the words. The words are good and they're important. They're the medium by which we understand the message. But But get the message. Psalm 1611. Uh, You will, talking to the Lord, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So the message, the promise, the promise is that God will take those who belong to him and he will show the path that leads to life. On, on top of that, in his presence, we find joy overwhelming uh, our circumstances and our situation. We find joy in his presence. And at his right hand, in his presence, we find soul satisfaction. Okay, So there's the promise. There's the truth. You want to be a satisfied soul, then you need to be in the presence of God. How do you get in the presence of God? It's through Jesus who rescued us and through our faith in Him and repentance of sin. All right, so so that was Psalm sixteen eleven. Then last week we memorized or are memorizing, working on. I had a sweet uh, lady come up to me at the uh, eight o'clock worship gathering and say uh, she had a little slip of paper, uh, and I don't see how she read it. I couldn't read those little words, but she had a little slip of paper, and she said, "Pastor, is it all right if I read from this? If we read." Matthew 28 out loud. I said, honey, you can do whatever you want to do. That, uh, you, you have earned the right. But Matthew 28, if we're still working on Matthew chapter 28, uh, Jesus, his you know, last words in Matthew's gospel, right before he sends the right hand throne of God, uh, he said, as scripture says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you, and behold, or lo, behold... I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So uh, we have this wonderful, purposeful passage that tells us our mission every day. As we live rescued by God's grace, through his love, by sending Jesus, uh, we live satisfied in his presence. Now let's live the mission that he's given us by making disciples of all people. And that leads us to our prayer journey. Now our prayer journey is every day at 1 o'clock we pray for one thing for one minute. Okay, that's our prayer journey, and this is a journey we're taking as a church. If you're a guest, please feel free to join us on this journey, 1 o'clock, praying one minute for one thing. Uh, since January 1, we've been praying for one thing. We haven't changed topics. We'll change it later, but, but right now we're praying for the one person, and again this week, the one person in 2019 that God would use us to lead them to see their need for Jesus and to have their lives transformed by God's grace through faith in Jesus, okay? So we're praying for that one person in 2019. For 12 months, we're going to commit ourselves to build bridges into this person's world, into this person's life, into, uh, into investing in them uh, and, and, and inviting them to join us for church, uh, but most importantly, sharing with them the good news of God's great love brought to us through the person of Jesus Christ. Now, that's what we've been praying for. We've been praying for the one. Okay? And that's what we're going to pray for this week, too. But here's what I'm going to add to it. As I promised last week, I want everyone to take a blue card. Everyone take a blue card. Everyone take a blue card. Everybody take a blue card. Everybody take a blue card. Whatever location, everybody take a blue card. And I want you to write down the name of your one. Who's the one person? And you might not know yet. And, and you've been praying, God, show me who the one is. Maybe you don't know who that one is. But, but if, you, if you don't know, write unknown. Uh, if you do know, write their name. And, uh, and, and we as a staff and as a church, we're going to be praying for these names. We're going to be praying for these individuals. These represent people in 2019 through the ministry of this church. Their eternity is going to be transformed by God's grace. We're going to pray for them, okay? So you write their name down, and at the end of this worship gathering, you can either bring them up here, as others have done, and lay it at the altar, or you can put them in the offering boxes as you leave, but give us the name of your one uh, so we can pray for that one person, okay? Uh, So this week we're praying for the one still, uh, but you go ahead and write the name down and be ready to uh, bring them at the altar or put them in the offering boxes as you leave. Well, Daniel chapter 6 is about prayer. The, the context of this prayer is Daniel in the lion's den. How many of y'all know the story of Daniel in the lion's den? If you don't know, it's, a, it's okay. I, I, I'm gonna walk us through it a little bit. Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel, will give you a little bit of a history about Daniel. Um, in 586 B.C., okay, there was uh, Jerusalem, okay, and they were doing their thing. The problem was they were doing their thing and not God's thing. And they had lived uh, unfaithfully to the God who had rescued them from Egypt uh, 500 years before or 700 years before. And they had lived unfaithfully. They had seasons when they were faithful, like Hezekiah during the season of Hezekiah we saw last week. Uh, but by and large, they were always drifting toward unfaithfulness. And God warned them over and over and over again. He, he told them, please be faithful to me. And, and eventually they got to the point where God said, it's time for judgment. And judgment for Jerusalem came in 586 B.C. at the hands of a guy named Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. Everybody say Nebuchadnezzar. One, two, three. Nebuchadnezzar. You got to say it the way I say it. One, two, three. Nebuchadnezzar. Now, you might not remember anything else about this sermon, but you'll remember Nebuchadnezzar. So in 586 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar comes along and he conquers Jerusalem. And what he does is he kills a bunch of people, but then he takes thousands of young people and he takes them captive and he leads them back to his capital in Babylon. Daniel was one of the teenagers in 586 B.C. who was taken away captive. There were three others that we know about, Daniel, Shadrach, and Abednego. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And those were were, uh, uh, Israelite youths who were carried away captive, and they lived their life in a foreign land, always longing to go home uh, to their homeland, uh, especially to Jerusalem. Well, here we have Daniel, and Daniel has lived his life soaked in God. We see this at the very beginning. Daniel is a, a teenager, and yet in Nebuchadnezzar's court, he says, hey, guys, I really don't want to eat everything that you want me to eat, but God has told me how to eat. And me and my friends, we want to eat the way God has told us to eat. And will you let us do that and see if we're not going to be as healthy or healthier than everybody else? And they said, okay. They test them. And sure enough, uh, because Daniel and his friends determined to follow God's commands and how they ate, then they, and this is the Daniel fast, right? I mean, that's become popular. The Daniel fast. I've never done it, nor will I. But I, it sounds really nice. But but this is the Daniel fast. And so so here we have Daniel soaked in God, wanting to live up to his name. Do you know what his name meant? Daniel literally means God is my judge. Literally, God is my judge. So Daniel's name meant that he was going. If he lived up to his name, it means that he's going to be a person where God determines what he does, how he does it. He lives for an audience of one, and that audience of one is God himself. Oh, that we would be like that, right? And No matter what circumstance or setting, no matter the culture in which we find ourselves, if we would live with God as my judge, live for an audience of one, oh, how our life would change for the better, not for the worse. Well, Daniel committed his life uh, to live his life uh, for God because he determined that God's opinion is what mattered most. And because God's opinion mattered most, he wanted to spend a lot of his time consulting God. And that's what prayer is. So Daniel determines throughout the course of his life, he's going to be a person of prayer. He's going to commit himself to have, you remember the definition of prayer? Having an intimate, honest conversation with God. So Daniel committed this, uh, his life uh, to God, and every decision that he made throughout his life was soaked in God. And the people around him knew that. When we come to Daniel chapter 6, we see that Daniel, and this is several decades later, Daniel is now an older gentleman. And not only has God favored him and blessed him, but now Daniel is one of three leaders in the nation. There's a new king. His name is Darius. Darius is the boss man. And then there are three rulers underneath Darius uh, who uh, lead a group of 120 satraps or mayors of the kingdom. And those three guys underneath Darius are the ones that, that govern the realm. Well, Daniel has proven himself so much that Darius has even thought about making Daniel not one of the three, but the prime minister. So it would be the king, the the boss man up here, it would be Daniel below Darius, and then there would be these other three uh, governors, and then the 120 satraps. Well, Daniel has obviously gained great influence in uh, the kingdom. And yet, um, not everybody was happy about that. So there was a group of guys, the the governors or the satraps or the commissioners, they said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to bring Daniel down. Great political move, right? They determined we're going to get him. But they couldn't get him because of his character. In fact, verse 3 of chapter 6 says that he had an excellent spirit. It goes on and says that Daniel did well at his work. He made good decisions. He, he couldn't be blamed. They couldn't find any fault with him in that. So they determined that if they were going to bring Daniel down, it had to revolve around his relationship with God. And remember, Daniel is God soaked. And so that is, in the minds of his detractors, Daniel's weakness. You pick it up, the story up in verse five. These men. Uh, said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So the governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, uh, the administrators, the satraps, the counselors, the advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. All right, you see how it goes here, all right? So they knew that Daniel was God's soaked They knew he was a man of prayer. Down in verse 16 and in verse 20, Darius himself says to Daniel, Daniel, uh, uh, and talks about how Daniel serves continually God. Uh, this God whom you serve continually. He said that twice. Uh, so everybody around Daniel knew that he was a servant of God. And so the governors and the satraps, the politicians said, if we're going to bring Daniel down, we've got to attack this part. They knew that prayer was such an essential ingredient in Daniel's life that they could trap him like this. All right, goes on uh, and, and says in, uh, in, in verse 8, Now, O king, establish the decree, sign the writing, so that it cannot be changed according to the uh, law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, the king Darius signed the uh, Sign the decree. So what happens is, if you pray to anyone other than through Darius or to Darius, then guess what? You're going to get thrown into a den of lions. All right? Look at verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed. And gave thanks before his God, not to Darius, as was his custom since early days. And, and verse 11 talks about how the, the, the guys were spying on him. The, the politicians were spying on him. They see him praying, so they bring him before Darius. Uh, Darius is then forced to put Daniel in the den of lions and, and his, uh, his fleeting plea. In verse 16, Daniel, this God whom you serve continually, he will rescue you. That's Darius' hope. Uh, Daniel's put in the lion's den. The stone is rolled uh, 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 before the pit. The uh, seal is put on the stone so that nobody can break it. Everybody goes to bed. Get up the next morning. Darius couldn't sleep because he's worried about Daniel. He comes, he rolls back the stone, and he cries in, Daniel, did the God whom you serve continually rescue you? And Daniel says, yeah, don't be be worried about it. God's got this. And Daniel is rescued from the lion's den. So much so that Darius is changed. Look down in verse 26. Darius makes a decree. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and, and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed. His dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. As we look at this passage, I want you to hear... Oswald Chambers said it this way. Oswald Chambers, the guy who wrote My Utmost for His Highest. Okay, Oswald Chambers, if you haven't read that, go ahead and pick that up. You can get it online. Uh, You can get it at bookstores. I think even Barnes & Noble has it. uh, My utmost for his highest. Great daily devotion. uh, And and it's by Oswald Chambers. Oswald Chambers said this. He said, the meaning of prayer is that we get hold of God, not that we get hold of his answer. So I want you to to grab that because really the point of Daniel chapter 6 is not the point of Daniel chapter 6 is not that Daniel is rescued from the den of lions. I mean, we, we see in Hebrews chapter 11 that there were many people who were servants of the living God who were faithful to the end, who did not escape the attack of lions. The point of this story is not really that Daniel escaped the, the, the hungry lions. The point of the story, I believe, is that Daniel practiced God's presence for seven decades of his life And in that journey, he nourished his soul with the power of God's presence. See, I think that's something that we need to hear today. The goal of prayer is not to get an answer. The goal of prayer is to spend time with the one whose opinion matters most. The goal of prayer is not that we get our way. The goal of prayer is that we get hold of God himself. And that we live soaked in his presence. By the way, do you get this is what Jesus has done for us? I know I've talked about this and it, it takes some time away from my, my message about Daniel. But I, we got to understand this. See, as followers of Jesus, Jesus came and he died on a cross. And he was raised from the dead and he was exalted to the right hand of the Father. So that he might break through the barrier between us and God so that he might tear through the veil into the very holy of holies, into the very presence of God, so that we might live in persistent, constant, immediate access with God, so that we might practice the presence of God. Jesus, our high priest, became our sacrifice so that he might Bridged the distance between a sinner like you and me and a holy God. He tore through the veil, entered into the holy of holies, pulled us along with him so that we now can come boldly before the throne of grace and find grace and mercy that will help us in our time of need. Jesus died so that we could pray. So that we could live in, in intimacy with God. Daniel got that. And that's how he lived. He lived his life with his soul nourished by the power of God's presence. Now, you and I, we need to to grab hold of this. We need to get hold of this truth that that what energizes and empowers us each day is not uh, not the breeze at our back. What, What energizes and empowers us each day is the Spirit of God who dwells within us and our communion with the living God through prayer as we look at at scripture we understand that prayer prayer does mean something specific prayer is where we are laying hold of God's promises to us Do you know there are three thousand plus promises of God in scripture Do you realize that three thousand plus promises from God to us in scripture and Every single one of those promises belong to every single person who belongs to God through faith in Jesus Christ. And get that. Every single promise in Scripture, belongs to every single person who belongs to God through faith in Jesus Christ. Those are the promises that God makes known to us in his word so that we can live in the power of those promises. But how do we take the promise and apply it to our life? That's where prayer comes in. Prayer is us taking the promise of God and bringing it home to our heart and living in the sustaining power of that promise every single day. Are you living by the promises of God? Are you practicing the presence of God through prayer? That's what we see Daniel doing. Prayer nourished his soul with the power of God's presence, and and it prepared him for a day like this day we read in Daniel chapter 6. It prepared him. It did things for him. See, Daniel was doing this praying thing long before the den of lions came along. Daniel had been practicing this praying thing, practicing the presence of God through prayer from his early days, uh, chapter 6, verse 10. He was one that was consistently seen as serving the living God. That term for serving in verse 16 and verse 20 is a term that means worship. It's it's bowing before the living God in submission and and, and prayer and supplication. It, it, It rolls all that together. It's what Daniel was doing in verse 10. So as we look at this passage, what, what does prayer, what does practicing the presence of God through prayer do for us? And I, I know this seems a little pragmatic, but it's important to hear it. This is the result of being a praying person, living in the presence of God each day. You now one, one, one clear thing we see in verse three of chapter six is, when we practice the presence of God through prayer, we experience an excellent spirit. An excellent spirit. Uh, That's what they saw in Daniel. Everybody who was around Daniel saw an excellent spirit. An excellent spirit is a good attitude, a good work ethic. Uh, It it is more than that, though. It includes that, but it's more than that. It is wisdom. It is a, a positive attitude and outlook on life. It's the opposite of being toxic. You see... Can I meddle just a a little? And I promise it won't be long, and I won't stand on your toe too long. But just, just for a moment, can I meddle? If you have a toxic, bad attitude, then maybe you need to spend a little bit more time with God in prayer. Can, 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 I, can I offer this suggestion? Maybe, just maybe, instead of investing so much of your energy complaining about other people and grumbling about other people and talking about everything you don't like in this world or in your life or in your family or in your church, maybe, just just maybe, the best course of action is to bow on your knees before a holy God and practice the presence of God so that you receive an excellent spirit even in the face of not-so-great circumstances. Can Can I tell you, we're talking about power for your personal life, but we're also talking about power for the church. Do you realize what a difference a praying people makes for the power of a church to accomplish the mission that God has given her? Instead of a church filled with negative, toxic, complaining, grumbling people, when we are a praying people, we are a people with excellent spirits. You want to make a difference in your work? Pray more. Spend more time with God. Practice the presence of God even at your work. You want to be a better student? You want to to make a difference in your school? Then then pray more. Spend more time with God. It gives an excellent spirit. Secondly, when we practice the presence of God through prayer, we uh, we receive a calm confidence even in the face of a den of lions. You see the scrambling that's going on by these politicians. They're looking for, way. we're going to get Daniel. We're going to get Daniel. We're going to get Daniel. And they're scurrying around. And then even in verse 11, you see them sneaking around in the hedges, looking and say, is he praying? Is he praying? Is he praying? That's not what Daniel did. Verse 10, and when he knew that the decree had been signed. He had three choices. He had three choices to make at that point. Number one, he could stop praying for those 30 days. I would think that many of us would choose that. Faced between a den of lions and praying, we would say, okay, we just won't pray for 30 days. What could it hurt? For Daniel, not praying was life and death. Daniel could have stopped praying. Second, Daniel could have gone incognito in his prayer life. He could have, instead of being as public as he was, he wasn't outlandish, he wasn't showing off in his walk with God, but, but he was not hiding it either, and, and every day he was consistent. He would go to his upper room, he would open his windows toward Jerusalem, three times a day he would pray. He would pray and give thanks to God. He could have stopped that practice for 30 days and gone into the basement and shut the door in the dark and prayed. Or... Daniel could have done exactly what Daniel had always done. And that was pray. You know what Daniel did? Did the third choice. Why? Because it was that prayer life. It's that journey of intimacy with God in prayer that sustained him for his life. Do you realize that praying is not just some ritual that we follow, but rather it is life-giving, soul-nourishing conversation with the God who is the ruler of the universe, the maker of all things, the savior of our soul, and the director of our destiny. We spend so much time worried about what our brother, our sister, our mother, our father, our best friend, our no friend, our enemies think about us, and we don't spend any time talking to the one whose opinion should matter most, God himself. See, when we spend time practicing the presence of God in prayer, then we're getting the opinion of the one who matters most, and he's the one who nourishes our soul and gives us a calmness in the face of chaos. Look, if your life is in turmoil, and my life is sometimes in turmoil, I did taxes last week, right? Uh, or uh, uh, two Fridays ago. I, I did taxes. That's, that's tumultuous, that, it, 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 it bordered on tragic, right? I mean, it's crazy. I hate taxes, but I love taxes if I get a refund. But I don't get a refund. Anyway, um, so, so life can be crazy. I have four daughters. I have a son-in-law. I have two female dogs. I have a female cat. Make no mistake, life can get chaotic. But when I practice the presence of God in prayer, The God who never sleeps nor slumbers covers me with his protection and his care. He sings his love song over me. He speaks peace into my mind and into my heart. He gives me courage in the face of even roaring lions because this is God of the universe. And I'm with him and I know him and he satisfies my soul. That, that's another part of praying. Praying satisfies our soul. Now, I want you to take note, and, and again, quickly, uh, in, when, when Daniel prayed, he opened his windows toward Jerusalem. You know why he opened his windows toward Jerusalem? There's nothing in Scripture that says you've got to do that. But he was in exile. He was living away from Jerusalem. Now, what was Jerusalem? Jerusalem was the Uh, was the home of the temple. And what was in the temple? The temple, uh, there was the Holy of Holies. And what was the Holy of Holies? That was the manifest presence of the living God in the Old Testament. The Holy of Holies was the place you wanted to get if you wanted to get into the presence of God. So when Daniel opened his windows toward Jerusalem and he began to pray, he was longing for the presence of God. When he began to pray, he found the presence of God. Uh, Augustine is a a 4th century theologian. He said it this way about God. He said, God, you have made us for yourself. And our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Do you realize that our hearts are restless until we find our rest in the presence of God, until we live in the presence of God, until we walk in the presence of God? What praying does is it brings us into the presence of God and sets us there so that we live in intimacy with the one who created us, who made us, who satisfies our soul. Maybe if you're living in a season of discontent or you're constantly pursuing the the grass that is... Promise to be greener on the other side never is you're always thinking what's next rather than what's now and maybe just maybe the restlessness restlessness in your spirit is not because you need some uh something for which you are ambitious but rather maybe what you really need is just a daily consistent throughout the day dose of the living god in your life to satisfy you Inside and out. Can, can I? I'm not meddling, I'm just kind of advising on this one. Can, can I advise you? I, I know we all get restless in our jobs and our families and in our school. We, we, we get restless. I get that, I really do. But instead of just chasing, why don't you just stop and open your windows to the presence of God? And talk with him and see if he won't satisfy your soul and then direct you to your next steps. As we look at this passage, I, I, I want you to understand what practicing the presence of God through prayer will do for you. And if you want to have an excellent spirit or a calm confidence, if you want to have, um, if you want to experience a satisfied soul, if you want to have the strength to stand in the face of a den of lions. By the way, can I tell you, if there's anything worse than being Daniel in a den of lions, it's being uh, a lion in a den with Daniel. That lion couldn't do a thing with Daniel. And God had protected him. Do you want that kind of strength in your life? Courage? Calm confidence? Satisfaction of the soul? It comes not through um, rituals that we perform. It it doesn't even come through answers that we receive. But rather it comes through the very presence of God. Making the journey of life in the presence of God. Uh, when, When I was young... Uh, very young. And y'all know I love to go fishing, right? I, if, you're, if you're a guest of ours, I love to go fishing. By the way, I need to go fishing. Right, I, I love it. I need it. It's it's one of those things. It's not not hardly like chocolate, but sort of like chocolate. Right, I need it. When I was young, I grew up and needing to go fishing, especially trout fishing, especially fly fishing. That's not something that that uh, is innate to me. It's it's both nurture and nature. My dad and his dad uh, fished in, in the Smoky Mountains for trout, and and when I was about uh, eight or nine, I was finally old enough to go on the trip. I wasn't able to go until then, but when I hit that age, whatever age, maybe it was ten or eleven, I, I, they, they called me and said, into the room and said, Eric, we're going fishing tomorrow. We want you to go. Ah! You know, freak out. It was awesome. So I said, okay, 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 and 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 so we got up at four thirty in the morning, and we we packed the car with all the all the fishing equipment. We drove from South Knoxville to Townsend, Tennessee. Uh, and and uh, on the way we stopped at a little AMP store and, and uh, picked up uh, uh, biscuits with uh, uh, country ham in between and chocolate milk and we drove and and, uh, and, and we go through towns, and we enter into the park. We go uh, up uh, to the right of the Y, and we go over into Cade's Cove. We go around the loop, passing people in dangerous ways. I understand they would pass people. Uh, that, was my, that was my dad, uh, and so I'd rebuke him when you see him. Uh, but make it all the way to the trailhead of Abrams Falls. Uh, park the car. We got out, and we started fishing. Can I tell you, can, and I mean this with all my heart, And I mean it today. we We could have gone the rest of the day and never caught a fish, and I would have been ecstatic. Because for me, the joy was in the journey with my dad and my papa. It wasn't in the catching of the fish. You realize that's how God is with you and me, that if we would see that the joy in the journey is not in the answer, not in the receiving, but it's rather just God himself, he is the joy on our journey. Then we would, we would be more motivated and, and, and more compelled to practice his presence through prayer. Three, three little application things, and I'll, I'll leave it with you, okay? So three quick applications. The first thing we see about Daniel, if, if we're going to pray and practice God's presence and be nourished by the power of God's presence, then we need to pray like we eat. Daniel prayed three times a day. Now I know not everybody here eats three times a day. Some of you eat seven. (laughs) Breakfast, snack. Lunch, snack. Snack, dinner, snack. (laughs) Oh my goodness, if you would pray like you eat, can you imagine what it would be like practicing the presence of God? Now, you know me, I, I, don't, I don't eat a lot. I don't eat breakfast, I don't eat lunch, rarely eat lunch, uh, and will eat dinner. But if you know me, if you've seen any of my pictures, uh, I, I, when I eat, oh, I eat, right? I, I feast. But if we pray like we eat, it would be inconceivable for us to go through a day without eating a meal. You think about it. We need to pray like we eat. It, it would be like for many of us, we look at food and we say, that's life. The way I look at chocolate or coffee, that's life. If, if we would pray like we eat and see that practicing the presence of God through prayer is life for us, everything would change. Do you see that Daniel saw prayer as more precious than his own life. Do you get that? Daniel would rather die physically than give up the nourishment of his soul and the strength of his life found in the presence of God through prayer. Oh, that we would pray like we eat. The second thing I want us to see application, so pray like you eat. Second, thank God no matter the circumstance. Daniel is facing a den of lions. And verse 10 says that he is thanking his God. Do you know gratitude goes a long way in nourishing our soul in the presence of God? Gratitude reminds us that I am not in God's presence because of my good looks or my charm. But rather, I am in the presence of God because Jesus, the high priest, pierced through the veil of sin that separated me from God, that even though I deserve nothing but judgment, God in his grace and his great love sent Jesus to rescue me through the death of Christ on the cross... Uh, for my sin, to bring forgiveness for my sin, to be raised from the dead. Now I, through faith in Christ, repentance of my sin, can live in the intimacy of God. So even if it's a den of lions kind of day, it's still a good day because God has rescued me. Today we need to be grateful. Can I also tell you, I I, I know not everybody has the kind of wife that I have, but but can I tell you, Every day is a good day because of my wife, Edie. It doesn't matter what we face, nor what I face, or what I'm going through, or how people treat me at different times, or say things about me, or anything. That doesn't matter because I've got Edie, and she's got me. And that's a gift of God and His grace, and it's a good day. i got four daughters. i got a son-in-law. I'm not going to be thankful for the dogs and cats, but I do have four daughters and have a son-in-law. And they are blessings to me. Each one a gift of God's grace, a gift of his love. Each one speaking into my life joy. And it doesn't matter if I face a den of lions. I've got my four daughters. I've got my son-in-law. I've got my wife, and I've got my Savior, and that's all I need. Let's thank God. Come on. we got to thank God. Now... The third thing. Third, and so every day, pray like eat. Every day, thank God. Regardless of what you're facing. And every day, lay hold the promises of God. In chapter 9, we see Daniel praying again. And Daniel's praying Deuteronomy chapter 30. Almost verbatim. He's quoting Deuteronomy chapter 30 in his prayer. And I think that's one of the practices that Daniel had. He would take the promises of God found in the Word of God, and he would speak those promises back to God and then cling to those promises and live in the power of those promises. Guys, 3,000 promises, all yes and amen to followers of Jesus Christ. And if we will cling to those promises through prayer, we will live in supernatural power. It just will happen. Lay hold the promises. Now, we'll talk about this in a couple of weeks. How do you lay hold of the promises? Well, you do it through the word of God. Look, if you want help from heaven, you've got to pray the words that heaven gives. You've got to pray the word of God. We'll talk about this in a couple of weeks. But lay hold of the promises. And the result will be God will be glorified. Lives will be changed. Darius saw things from a different view. His life, his viewpoint, was transformed forever. This God who rescued Daniel is the God who is living, whose kingdom will never end. Can, can I tell you what I think one of God's promises is, that, that, that there is a distance between God's promise and where we are today for this church? I look at this church, and I know that God desires, His will for our church is to be a light in the seven cities of Hampton Roads as well as around the world. I know that God desires for this church planted here 200 years to to be a church on mission, seeing lives changed. These lives changed for God's glory so that when people look at you and me as part of this family of faith, when people look at this church, they see something miraculous and powerful happening. They see a people who are consumed with God, living each day, energized, empowered by the very presence of God, living supernatural lives with excellent spirit, with a calm confidence, regardless of what we face. Now that's what that's what I think God wants from this church. The result would be in Hampton Roads that that people in Hampton Roads would be drawn closer to God, that more people would be rescued by God's grace, and more people would be saved rather than lost, because of what this church is about. When we practice God's presence through prayer, we're speaking into that distance between what God desires and what our reality is. See, the reality is that Hampton Roads is lost, the seven cities. There's so much bankruptcy of spirit in these seven cities, and we are the church, one of the churches, but we are the church that God has planted here to make a difference, to push into the darkness and push Back the darkness with the light of God's rescuing love. So my prayer for us, my prayer for us is that we would defy the distance between what God desires and what we see. That we would pray for God to close that gap between what he has called us to be and what we're actually being. And that we would see lives transformed by his grace through the seven cities of Hampton Roads. And it begins as you and I commit ourselves to share the good news of His rescuing love with that one. So today I invite you in these next few moments as we, as we close this time of gathering, I'm going to invite you to pray. I'm going to invite you to, 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 uh, to practice God's presence through prayer. I'm going to invite you to, to, to open your heart to the Lord, to, to write down the name of the one or to take the name of that one and bring it here at the altar and pray over these that are already here and yours as well. I'm going to invite you to, to come and, and talk to one of the ministers that will be at the front. I'm going to invite you to come and, 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 and maybe just bow before the living God and say, oh God, I need you today. And practice his presence. Maybe you just need to sit right where you are and talk to the living God. Maybe you need to stand and join in singing praise to the living God. But don't remain passive in this moment. Some of you are here today and you have never tasted the rescuing love of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And today is your day to be rescued by His grace, to be transformed by His love, to be brought through the veil into the very holy of holies, into the very presence of God. And today is your day to be saved. And if that's you, I invite you to come to one of the ministers that will be here at the front and say, today I need to be rescued by God's grace. My prayer is that we would practice God's presence in this moment through prayer and through praise.